Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arnault, and the tour is over. This is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories Like You're Used to Hearing Again at Long Last. I spent three months on the road, now we're back in Chicago, in a brand new venue, The Beat Kitchen, which has been incredibly kind to our silly group. Also, we've got a bit more of a philanthropic bend now. Uh, For most of our episodes, we'll be partnering with a local charitable organization the nerds and our featured guests like a lot. Now that means that we collect money at the live show, but I will also include donation links with the episode on nerdalogs.com and on Facebook. Um, So our featured group for this pair of shows, as you'll hear about in the episode, is Chicago Loot Drop, which raises money to help comfort kids in Comer Children's Hospital. It's a great cause, and any donation you can send their way would be incredibly helpful. So Loot Drop was chosen as our featured organization by special guests from BitBash, the best indie gaming event in Chicago. Uh, BitBash tickets are on sale now at bitbashchicago.com, and I highly recommend picking them up. You'll have a great time. Um, you'll hear a little more about what, what BitBash is and how it started in next week's episode, but trust me when I say it is tremendous. This episode features Bryce Pulse and Nathan Bartley from BitBash, plus Loot Drop founder Mike Chuck Bretzliff and Chicago comedian Adam Levin, who currently has a week left in his one-man show at The Annoyance, which plays tomorrow night. The piece Adam tells in this episode is an excerpt from that show, and it is great. So if you're free tomorrow at 8, I'd recommend going to The Annoyance. It's going to be really cool. Uh, Our theme for this episode, appropriately, is multiplayer, and all four of our speakers interpreted that in different and interesting ways. Uh, Also, that inspired myself and Becca Brown to sing some classic duets. So I hope you're ready for that. And with all that said, let's get to multiplayer part one. Thanks for listening. This is a monthly show that we do where we collect stories and we sell them on the black market. No, that's not true. It's a podcast. You guys know what a podcast is. Uh, You're going to hear from seven excellent storytellers tonight who are all reflecting on the theme multiplayer uh, as chosen by our special guest for the evening, Bitbash. 
Uh, if you guys don't know, yeah. If you don't know what Bitbash is, you're going to hear about it in very short order. But first, uh, we're going to play you some songs. That's how we start every show. Get y'all in the mood with some music that fits the theme. This is Becca Brown. Becca is, uh, is the only bandmate of mine who could make it tonight. Thank you, Becca. Um, we're going to play, do some uh, some duets for you guys. Because those are multiplayer songs. They are. Yeah. And kind of, this is the first show I think just Becca and I have done together, but it's really appropriate because uh, Becca was in School of Rock and I was voted most musical in my junior high school. So we're basically <laughs> the same credit, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so close. Um, this is a song that we learned for a wedding that we did last fall. I got side-eyed real hard by a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> Don't side-eye Becca, guys, please. One, two, three, four. Baby, when I met you, there was peace unknown. Set out to get you with a fine tooth comb. I was soft inside. There was something going on. You do something to me that I can't explain. Hold me closer and I feel no pain. Every beat of my heart, we got something going on. Tender love is blind, it requires a dedication. All this love we feel needs no conversation. We ride it together. Key change. One, two, three, four. Can't live without you. Dolly Parton. 
Uh, you guys might be more familiar with that melody as Ghetto Superstar. I know I am. It takes a lot of strength for me to not break out into uh, Ghetto Superstar. Maybe that's why you got side eye at that wedding. <laughs> did I say Ghetto Superstar? No, you did. I'm just. I, I mean, I smoked a blunt before we did that. <laughs> oh no! So, like I said, we got a bunch of really great storytellers tonight. Some of them. Uh, are going to be from Bitbash, who we'll hear from in a little bit. But first, opening the show, we have a gentleman who is launching his own solo show with The Annoyance next month. That show is called Hero. Uh, he is a hero for going first when our opener dropped out tonight. This is Adam Levin! Uh, so the, the theme tonight's multiplayer game, right? Multiplayer. Cool, cool. Well, I recently quit the ultimate multiplayer game, which is the service industry. <laughs> So uh, this is a, a little story about my last three years working in the service industry. It's 11.14 a.m. I know this because Rihanna's S&M is playing, and the restaurant where I work plays the same songs at the same times every single day. As I look around at the half-empty tables, an older couple catches my attention because one of them is slurping down a chicken pot pie at the exact moment Rihanna is singing... Sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but chains and whips excite me. These lyrics accurately describe the atmosphere of the overpriced, family-friendly British kitsch TGI Fridays I casually call my day job, and most definitely not my only source of income. I look across the street at the Billy Goat Tavern where I eat breakfast every day with my only work friend, Molly the bartender. Next door is a cool hotel coffee bar where I dream of being one of the stylish regulars typing away on their MacBooks. But instead, I am relegated to the GOAT, where I'm pretty sure any form of computer is illegal. <laughs> uh, all the bosses are here today. The GM with his giant beard and belly looks like a young Santa if a young Santa had a crippling cocaine habit. <laughs> the assistant manager has a wrist-to-elbow tattoo of Al Capone. I've always wondered why this white guy from the south suburbs has a picture of a mass murderer on his arm forever. That would be like me getting a tattoo of the DC sniper to rep my home city. Uh, a customer asked me for another side of ranch dressing, his fourth for a simple side salad. Before moving to Chicago, I never realized that ranch dressing was truly the Midwest's favorite pastime. <laughs> Who would have guessed a simple soup of buttermilk, mayo, garlic, and spices would rock the third largest city in the country to its core? <laughs> if only this guy could see the industrial container where we keep his favorite condiment. It looks like a giant vat of room temperature semen. <laughs> As I walk down the long hallway to the kitchen to grab a fourth side of jizz, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I run into my arch nemesis, the busboy. <laughs> His height and weight can only be described as a perfect circle. <laughs> He's an extremely racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic chauvinist who's terrible at his job and very proud of it. He's, he's constantly eating and hides snacks all over the restaurant. At any moment in the day, you could be reaching for an extra stack of napkins and find a cup of gravy and saltines. Or, if you're looking for something in the walk-in freezer, wondering how the heck did a slice of pizza get behind the ice cream? He has nicknames for everyone at the restaurant and affectionately calls me Mongolo, which means, which in Spanish is mongoloid. Sink that in, people. <laughs> I have a liberal West Wing fantasies of setting this monster straight, but how are you supposed to lecture someone who works two jobs, 14-hour days, six days a week to support three kids about transgender rights? <laughs> I walk back to the bar and the smell of feces is still in the air from yesterday's incident. <laughs> 
The sewage pipes got backed up because nobody drained the grease trap for months. So what can only be described as a poop river came floating out of the floor drains. It was quick, fast, and dirty. In my time working here, the poop river has appeared three times. (laughs) And we only closed the restaurant once. The other two, liquid poop was literally rushing under customers' feet, and strangely, some tables chose to finish their meals. <laughs> it's 1.30 p.m. I know this because Begging for a Thread by Banks is playing. My best friend, Zach, who I've known since the ninth grade, was friends with Banks in college, and we would often share long dorm room conversations about their flirtatious relationship. And now she's playing Coachella, and I'm getting yelled at by a lady because her French onion soup isn't what she expected. <laughs> I walk over to the bar to spit some hot goss with my only work friend, Molly, the bartender. And all the regulars are there. Derek, the extremely handsome metro, uh, metro conductor who works 4 a.m. to noon and spends the afternoons hiding from his wife and retelling the story about how he was an extra in the movie Hoosiers. <laughs> the sad dad lawyers who walk back and forth from the courtroom to the bar every afternoon. The 85-year-old man, Henry, who frequently brings in prostitutes. Abdul, the Saudi millionaire who comes from crazy oil money and keeps signing up for different college classes around the city so he can stay in America. It's a desperate crew who only have one thing in common. They're all in love with my only work friend, Molly the bartender, (laughs) who in an act of corporate sexism is forced to wear a sleeveless low-cut shirt as her uniform while all the male bartenders get to wear a dress shirt, tie, and vest. The lunch rush is ending and I start dropping checks. A table of German tourists tip me nothing on a $100 tab, but they paid in cash, so I quickly ask the manager for an industry discount for their table and secretly pocket 25 bucks. A loud dude is holding court at table 61, so I engage in one of my favorite new hobbies, ruining customer stories. <laughs> I wait until the right before he gets to the punchline, and then swoop in and say, would anyone like some coffee or dessert? <laughs> it's 2.45 p.m. I know this because Justin Timberlake's Not a Bad Thing is playing. The first thousand times I heard this song, I felt nothing, but now I have a deep emotional reaction every time the back half plays. <laughs> the lyrics to that chorus are, If I had a pair of wings, I'd pick you up and fly you away from here. And you'd put me, up, you'd put me, uh, you'd put me out of your worries upon my shoulders, my dear. Timberlake just gets it, you guys. <laughs> I go and hide in the bathroom and text. I go and hide in the electrical closet and text. I go and hide in my dump, by the dumpsters and text. I go and hide in the basement and check jewishjobs.com. <laughs> In a low moment of hoping my own people won't reject me like the many prospective job interviews have in my time at this restaurant. <laughs> when I finally leave behind the company of my phone, an old bartender stops by and starts handing most of the servers and managers brown paper bags full of edibles. She hasn't worked here in over a year, but still sells drugs to the majority of the staff. <laughs> a guy from a table I didn't see flags me down and orders a steak. Well done. He triple checks that I heard him say, well done. Much like Democrats and Republicans, the country is split between uh, well done people and rare people. Well-done customers are generally angry and untrusting, and rare customers are always a little too friendly and adventurous, but order in kind of like a sexy, flirty way. (laughs) (laughs) Table 62 is walking out of the restaurant, and I notice his wallet is under the table. One of my favorite things to do is run after people when they forget things like phones, umbrellas, and jackets. First off, it gets me out of the restaurant, and I often feel like a cop running down down Randolph Street, frantically searching for my mark. (laughs) Second, this is one of the few good deeds I do on a regular basis. Oftentimes, months will go by and acts like these are the only deposit I make in the mitzvah bank. (laughs) Jewish callback. (laughs) I call out to the older gentleman about his wallet, but he doesn't hear me. By the time I get out to the front door, he asks, he has walked almost two blocks. So I'm sprinting, I'm sprinting down the street. Finally, I catch up to him, I tap him on the shoulder. 
The man turns around, and, I'm, and I say, Sir, you know, you forgot your wallet. And I try to hand it to him, but he angrily looks at me and says, I left that there on purpose. And he walks and leaves me with his cash, credit, and ID as I say, Sir? <laughs> Sir? <laughs> Sir? <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> I just quit my job, too. Feels pretty good. I mean, I'm sure it's going to feel less good like the longer I go without like steady income, but it, right now it feels pretty good, guys. Hope you're feeling good, Adam. Thank you so much for that opening. As I said, we are here with the wonderful folks of BitBash tonight. BitBash is a great gaming event that happens every year in Chicago. We love it in the Nerdalogs. Uh, we're so happy to partner with them. We have tonight their logistical director who's going to share a story. Please welcome to the stage, stage Bryce Pulse. Hi. I didn't know these were supposed to be funny. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I think it's funny, but we'll see how you guys do. Hi, my name is Bryce Pulse, and I'd like to tell you a story about coming out, realizing you've wasted your entire life, and then discovering how to put it back together. About five years ago, I had lost a lot. I recently graduated from college, where a series of destructive acts of self-loathing had manifested in losing my core group of friends. I had no sense of personal identity, no sense of meaning, no support whatsoever. I was arrogant and overwhelmed. I thought I could do everything myself, a terrible quality that's manifested throughout my entire life. And whoever's volunteered with me at Bitbash <laughs> might be aware of. Um, I had recently gone through a breakup with someone I didn't love. I didn't know why I didn't love her, but I felt some obligation, some feeling that I needed to support her through a time that was personally difficult to her. I had decided that I was going to sacrifice my own happiness in my entire life in some bullshit machismo patriarchal act and live the rest of my life with her. Except she didn't want to live the rest of my life with her life with me. She was gay, and uh, she left, and I left, and I moved to Chicago permanently. Um, around the same time, I just left my job. I had been hired as a video game uh, designer at a studio six months before I graduated. I left a lot of my responsibilities and obligations at school to focus on it, including supporting my friends throughout my, our senior capstone project. I thought that I had made it when I graduated, and my intense depression led me to decide to fuck everyone else off, friends who didn't even really know me because I'd spent so much time lying to them. I was pathological. I didn't realize I was doing it because I was lying to myself. Anyways, after a continuing series of recurring self-destructive acts, some people came to my life and changed all that. I met a girl who felt so confident and so carefree with her life. She was everything I aspired to be, uh, we spent a lot of time together, and she was queer, and we were in a poly relationship, and I found so many qualities in her that I realized were in myself my whole, the whole time. Maybe I hadn't read 50 books of Japanese manga and bought a fedora in the ninth grade because I thought the boy who did that was cool. Uh, maybe I did that because I had a crush on him. Maybe I didn't accept that girl's offer to go help her try on bras because the store had Gran Turismo 2 and I liked to run over the driving cones. <laughs> Maybe I just wasn't a sexual person. Around the same time, I met the Chicago indie community. I had taken an internship at the Museum of Science and Industry and found a renewed passion for the work I did. I wanted to do more than that personally reflected that. And so one night I went to a party and I met a guy named Ryan. And a beer later, I was hanging out at the Emporium with a whole group of friends who I could be myself open with be honest with, and be myself with. A year after that, we were on a train together to GDC. I was meeting a whole new group of people, people like me from all over the world, people who loved the things I loved, people who loved all the things I hated, 
the world was so much bigger than I thought. Games are so much bigger than I thought. I thought the loving things I hated. I'm going to get better, don't worry. Uh, during that trip, we all got drunk at the Marriott Hotel in San Francisco. We had been to an event called the Wild Rumpus the night before and had taken such great joy from the environment and wanted to celebrate and the games that we loved. We wanted that. We wanted to bring that home to show it to the public. Not just to devs and not just to gamers, but to people who are at home that were angry and sad and confused and isolated uh, and maybe just hadn't found their place yet like I hadn't. Bitbash began that night. Uh, two months later, we were in the middle of the most overwhelming, intense work of putting on a festival, a task that none of us knew how to do. Uh, I kept playing more new interesting games, trying to embrace myself more into this culture that I wanted to explore. A couple weeks after my birthday, I asked some friends online for recommendations of games to play. Some game that I could just play in one sitting that wasn't a long, arduous thing that was just like two hours and I'd be done. Uh, a game called Gone Home got more votes than any other. I'd heard of it before, and I decided that now was the time to play it. The moment I started playing, I knew it was going to be an issue. The story focused on a woman who returns home to her family, only to find her house abandoned and her younger sister missing. About ten minutes into the game, I was overwhelmed with its feelings of romance and otherness. Uh, it was about love at a young age, something I'd been very familiar with. Uh, I played through the game and discovered the story piece by piece, delving deeper into the romance and emotional journey that eerily reflected mine. When the game ended, I felt a fear deep in my stomach, a fear I hadn't ever experienced, one that I couldn't even begin to understand. I got on my bike and I ran. I was panicking and I was scared. There weren't unfamiliar fearings, but I'd never felt them so intensely like this. I needed to get away from something, from anything. I hopped on my bike and I began to ride. I biked down the lake from trail. I biked down past Lincoln Park, past Navy Pier, past the South Loop, past the museum campus. My heart was racing. There were rocks in my stomach and I was crying harder than I'd ever had in my life. I was unfathomably scared and I couldn't even begin to figure out why. I tried to kill myself that night. It was the culmination of that feeling I'd felt over a year ago. Here was the story of a younger girl living in a simulation, simulation, <laughs> living in a situation similar to mine. Uh, I guess she is living in a simulation, though, too. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'd grown up in a very conservative Christian family. They loved me, and they still do. They're wonderful people. But it was with a single caveat that reverberated throughout my entire life, that I couldn't be anything but straight. It wasn't that I wasn't allowed to be anything but straight. It's just that it was impossible. It's not a thing that could happen. That was for other people. My friends from California were, my Californian friends were from California, and my Turkish friends were from Turkey, and my gay friends were from, I don't know, gay town. <laughs> <laughs> the girl in Gone Home had embraced those feelings and put it into her art and her life. My girlfriends all those years ago had sound the same. That boy who I was trying to impress by reading Wanma One Half and Dot Hack. Dot Hack? Yes. Uh, had uh, come out two years after that moment. I was li spent my whole life lying to myself, telling myself I was doing good for others because letting myself be somebody I wasn't was better off for my friends, for my family, and for those I loved. I let those lies and that anger that uh, I let uh, letting those lies and the anger from repressing those feelings slowly fed my depression. It tried to kill me that night. I wanted to die because I had lost the opportunity for an entire life an entire alternate history of possibilities where I didn't become the angry, miserable liar that I was. And seeing that whole life that I live now, I felt like I didn't deserve it anymore. I had left an entire wake of destruction in my path with everything that I had done. I had to pay for my sins. I had to die. But the people, 
the people I met from that train and the people that I met from Bitbash and the friends that I met uh, getting into this community, those people had become such a family to me. And they uh, loved who I am, who I truly was, more important than, than more than anyone else had in my entire life. And they reached out that night. They called me. They texted me. They came to my home. They, tried, they pulled me back. And their care made me seek help. A community isn't there to support each other commercially. We're not here to promote each other's events. We're not here to network. We're here because all we have all got these stories and these histories, these pasts that have led us to this very place right now. One person can't get through life. They need a world of friends. They need mentors. They need art. They need guidance to show them, to support them, and to guide them through experiences that have been traversed by so many others and to help them overcome mistakes that they've made on those same journeys. That's what our community is. That's what our art is about. That's why I'm still alive. And because of them, I can say, I'm here, I'm queer, and maybe someday I'll get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> that was wonderful. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for sharing that. That was great. Guys, what a, what a great time we have here at the Bee Kitchen. This is only our second show at the Bee Kitchen PS. I really like this place. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, we have next another gentleman from Bitbash. This is one of their wonderful legion of volunteers who helped keep the, the trains running on time at that event, which I'm sure is no easy feat. This is Nathan Bartley. Wait, Bitbash has literal trains, right? It's, it's a train event. Uh, I'm also uh, a researcher by trade, uh, so like any, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, like, like any good academic, I, I mix in a lot of thoughts that I have with a with, uh, uh, personal story. <clears throat> All right, well, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about multiplayer games and the communities that kind of grown around them. I mean, just in the last few years with the rise of live streaming platforms like Twitch, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of these com uh, communities become a lot more visible. You know, a lot of these, like, uh, tabletop RPG players, uh, games, uh, uh, communities around Counter-Strike, League of Legends, Dota, uh, StarCraft, Street Fighter, Madden, FIFA, the list goes on. Uh, we've, we've got these communities that have always kind of been there, sort of spread out and hiding right underneath the surface, really come together and kind of grow in an exciting way. Uh, and I, I think that with that excitement, we've, you know, I've seen a lot of money and investment go in. Uh, and in some scenes, it's starting to look a lot like professional sports, which I think is great. I mean, I think the more diverse interests that kind of get mainstream attention, kind of the better. Uh, but there's something that I think is lost among all the noise of these scenes and kind of the, the hyper focus on a lot of competition and things like that. Uh, that, that is a multiplayer game is, it's about stories and shared experiences. So, sure, like a lot like playing a sport, there's a big skill component to you know, anything multiplayer. Like having the quickest reaction times out of all your friends playing on the couch uh, so you can snag bragging rights. Uh, or doing your homework on all the other teams in you know, a big tournament. You know, getting your the deepest strategies so that you can get that cash prize, I guess. Uh <laughs> Uh, but so I mean, there's no, there's no really, there's no doubt about that that skill component. But I think again, a lot like sports, there's there's a lot to be said for the stories that kind of happen and evolve uh, and get remembered by the communities that sort of partake and you know pay attention. Uh, 
like the the lone American fighting game player in, a, in an Evo top eight, uh, you know, filled filled to the brim with world class tournament favorites, and maybe he gets knocked out in the first round. But you know what sticks with people is that you know now the Americans can cut it with the best in the world, right? Uh, or maybe on a much more personal, intimate uh, level, you know, a, a tense you play a tense uh, best of three with your friend to see who pays for the pizza. You keep a, an ongoing record of you know who's who's actually winning. Uh, but uh, let's get this back back to sports and stories. I mean, um, uh, how 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 is this how how can this be like sports? I mean, well, you, we can easily talk about like the NBA playoffs and how boring those were this year, right? The Golden State Warriors just. Sweeping right on through. I don't think anyone's really gonna remember much about any specific game or anything, right? Uh, but on the other end of that, if anyone pays attention, you know NFL and the the Super Bowl, right? The the Patriots. Maybe only Boston's really talking about it, but but the, but the Patriots with their historic comeback, right? In, the, in this big thing, I mean, people are gonna remember that for for quite some time. Uh, and so it's it's these it's these stories that happen around these sports and. These games that uh, I think are a really important part of the, the shared experience that we have, and we're all take part of that. Uh, I mean, where, what, what about my story? Well, uh, some some of my best memories growing up are playing games with my friends. Uh, sure, we played GoldenEye, you know, Slappers Only, uh, <laughs> Smash Brothers, and all that. Um, but but I think that what the the meat of it uh, when when I think back on that. Uh, the the meat of what we really bonded over were these single player story driven games. Uh, I don't, and I don't just necessarily mean just you know the the golden age of three platformers or the Halo campaigns or things. I mean we played those too, but, but what I mean is more like like the the all the JRPGs, right? These very like um, games that you think would be hard to kind of have a shared experience about, but. I'll always remember and appreciate the summers that you know the the three of us sat around uh, a TV and we played through. We had three Final Fantasy games. Uh, you know we would play we would play through those multiple times over the course of the summer. Uh, and you know without fail, uh, each of us would get attached to one character or another. You know, but in, in these big ensemble casts, it's kind of hard not to uh, find someone who who can at least identify with a little bit. Uh, we'd always make sure that you know, our favorite characters were the ones with the best equipment or had the most experience at the end of the game. Uh, I think that we, well, I mean, we would also give those characters, flat out give our char- those characters our names too. But I think with it, by doing that, we also kind of use those characters to discover bits about ourselves. I mean, we were preteens at that time, right? So still figuring out who we were, using these things to reflect like aspects of ourselves back to us. At least who we were coming up to be. And I know a lot of people who who grew up with like Dungeons and Dragons and things had similar things, but I mean, we didn't really discover that until we were like eighteen. So <laughs> I'm I'm almost happier that it, it happened this way though. Um, so I, I mean the the stories written for these games weren't particularly earth shaking or anything like that, but something about being there and sharing those games with my friends really became significant for me. Sure, part of it is nostalgia, but I think most of it is that these games remind me of my love for my friends and the community that I was and still am a part of, you know, however small. 
so that's what I think about when I think about multiplayer games. Uh, think about my friends, like Ian, uh, the Horde, um, uh, everyone at Bitbash, you know, everyone in the Windy City Co-op, everyone here. Uh, I love them dearly, um, and they inspire me every day. Thank you. Uh, apologies to any Golden State Warriors fans if you thought that that series was memorable, and uh, definitely apologies to any Cleveland fans just because like life, life has been cruel to you. I'm sorry. Uh, that, no, that's so true. Like, uh, there's such a like. I, it's so interesting to explore the narrative behind games, single player, multiplayer. I, I've always hated the question: Are games art? Like, of course they are. It's it's how do they engage with you know the narrative storytelling in art that's interesting to me. Final Fantasy, prime example. Six is the best. IMO, P.S. We can fight about it later. <laughs> Six till I die. We have one more storyteller in this half. Uh, so. Starting last month, the move to the Bee Kitchen, your stories has become a more philanthropic show. Every month, we're donating proceeds from the door to an organization that our featured guests and the nerds like a lot. Um, this month, that is Chicago Loot Drop, and um, you're going to hear a little bit about what they do, but basically, they use their funds to provide um, good experiences and, and toys and stuff for kids in Comer Children's Hospital, which is great, and they have a nerdy event to their fundraising. We love them. This is their founder, uh, chief guy, great dude, Mike Chuff, Brett, ugh, cannot talk tonight. Hold on. We'll pretend I didn't butcher your name. <laughs> What's your name again? No, I'm just kidding. It's Mike Chuck Bretzleff. Yeah. Uh, it's a few. It's, act- it's, it's actually kind of a startling number, I think. Yeah. I'm going to uh, bring this up because I don't like to sit and I can't sit still anyway. So. <laughs> Uh, hi, yeah, I am Mike Chuck. Uh, I am the chairman of Chicago Loot Drop, um, and we strive to bring and unite all of the geeks and the gamers uh, and the nerds of Chicago together to do good. And um, the bulk of our mission is supporting uh, University of Chicago Comer Children's Hospital. And so we do that through a number of different things, fundraisers and service projects. And rather than necessarily uh, tell you about that, I'm actually going to read, this is perfect timing. On Friday, I got an email from Comer thanking Chicago Loot Drop for our efforts. Um, and since many of you have supported Chicago Loot Drop, you've attended our fundraisers, you've come to our service projects, this uh, thank you goes out to all of you as well. Um uh, dear Chicago Loot Drop, the Child Life Program at Comer Children's Hospital would like to thank you for your continued support through both the Drawing Dreams event as well as the donation of comfort kits and celebration. Uh, our success is dependent upon the donations from organ- organizations like you. We are truly grateful grateful for our collaboration. Uh, the Drawing Dreams event continues to be a wonderful partnership. The patients and families are amazed when they see their superhero come to life with the art piece. Uh, those who are able to attend the C2E2 convention this year were so pleased to connect to the experience on another level. Um, additionally, the Comfort Kits continue to improve the support for adolescent patients. Thank you for helping meet this important need. The Celebration Kits are a wonderful way to help families celebrate important moments. Um, one patient recently used a kit for a last chemo celebration. Um, with your help, Child life specialists are able to promote healthy development and positive coping. Uh, we thank you for your uh, contribution and uh, look forward to continuing our partnership with you in the future. 
Um, so to anybody that's um, helped out, that's on you, and thank you very much. Um, um, so you, if you are interested in helping out and coming to any of our events, we actually have things planned. Uh, presently, everything's kind of on the books for happening in fall. We don't do a lot in the summer because we're small and there's a lot of other large things going on that we cannot compete uh, with for your attention. So uh, we'll have stuff coming around this fall. So we want to know about that. Um, follow us at uh, on Facebook or Twitter at um, slash Chicago Weed Shop for both of those. Uh, we can also sign up for an uh, email newsletter on our website, Chicago Weed Shop. Dot org. Um, we've got some hopefully really cool stuff coming up uh, this fall, so stay tuned for that. Nothing else to talk about yet because nothing's uh, officially on the books yet. Uh, okay, so I got a story. Um, so I've been playing video games all my life, uh, and they taught me some things about myself along the way, one of which is I don't like being bad at things. <laughs> uh, especially when one or more people are around. Um, this is hardly a mind-blowing epiphany. I would assume that applies to most people. Um, but this two-sided coin of a fragile ego and being super critical of myself has led to some uh, performance anxiety issues. Uh, I'm not saying I need to be great. My goal is simply to be highly mediocre with occasional and accidental moments of brilliance. <laughs> Um, if I were a brand, that would be my slogan. I am, however, not a brand, but I do think I have an idea for my next tattoo. <laughs> and actually, I just kind of realized where I should go. Uh, <laughs> gonna need a smaller font. Okay. Uh, the game that helped me figure this out about myself was uh, Shadowrun on the Sega Genesis. Um, possibly tied with beating Eternal Darkness five times. There's no other game that I've played start to finish as much. Um, along with Mutant League football, I would regularly pedal my sweet black Schwinn BMX bike to the local distributor of VHS movies and rent Shadowrun again and again. Uh, eventually, I bought it from a used game store, beat it, sold it back, bought it and beat it again, and then <laughs> sold it back, and then I may have done it a couple more times, actually, uh, when I discovered emulators. I had access to every video game ever made. So naturally, I played Shadowrun. <laughs> and not really having time as an adult to replay a game I've been so many times, I most recently watched a Let's Play on a side monitor while working. <laughs> and on every playthrough, I always play the exact same way. One, as a Decker, which is like a computer hacker guy, and two, I spend two-thirds of my playtime in the starting zone. I would just grind away ad nauseum, receiving ever-diminishing returns on money and XP as mobs and quests that were originally so troublesome slowly became easy. Which is great because I'm lazy and I don't like rising to a challenge but have a high tolerance for monotony. <laughs> and then, so once I reached that point where things easy, I would still stay until I was practically a demigod of this start of this starting zone. And then, and only then, when I leave for the next zones, having already gone above and beyond their XP curves, removing most of the difficulty. 
the way this plays out in real life is that practicing in private is like endlessly grinding away at XP in the starting zone. Um, and then doing something public is like moving on to the rest of the game. Uh, one example would be playing bass. Uh, I had a different story in here, but I, just, but I swapped in something else because just yesterday, my instructor showed me something and then wanted me to do what he just showed me. Which I did, but I re what I really wanted to do was go home, write it down, analyze it, practice it slowly, and then come back in like four years for another lesson. <laughs> Once I eventually got it. And that duration is not a joke. I did that. Um, I just started back again this, like, July. Anyway. Um, and so this is just me, and this is me and one other person. One other person who I'm paying to teach me and make me better at something. Um, but this is Big Fashion Tonight, so we can go back to video games. In my senior year of college, I played a lot of Halo. Um, every night in my apartment building, we, had, we played 16-player Capture the flag in Blood Gulch till the wee hours in the morning, and it had a decidedly negative effect on my GPA. <laughs> it's a, you can chart it very easily. Okay, um, and I but I joined these games a semester after they were even going on, um, and was getting my ass kicked. Um, but so to get better, I really needed to practice playing a shooter with a controller since I was used to mouse and keyboard on PC. And not having an Xbox, I would sit in my apartment by myself and play Time Splitters 2 multiplayer on the GameCube with all of the other players set as bots. <laughs> Slowly increasing the AI difficulty like Vegeta doing push-ups in 20 times gravity and then 30 times gravity and on. <laughs> it was a different console and a different game, but you want to know what? It fucking worked! <laughs> I still wasn't the best because some people are just crazy aimbot wizards, but I could at least be counted on to uh, more likely kill an enemy with a rocket launcher than myself. <laughs> uh, but what if you can't practice something privately? Um, there are just some activities where solo practice doesn't really translate, and that can only be done and improved at with a partner. Then what? Well, I avoid it as much as I can. I am, of course, referring to... Boxing. <laughs> Talking about boxing, which I do actually at a park, literally like on the other side of that building, um, behind us, for the people listening. Good job. Okay. Um, so there's a lots of ways you can do prep for sparring, but the only way you can actually get good at it is just to do it, because uh, the bag is mostly stationary and it doesn't hit back usually. Um, I spar more regularly now, but for like a long time, for a couple years, I would go and just be relieved uh, when no one in my weight class was there. Uh, or if somebody showed up later, I'd be like, oh, sorry, I can't stay, gotta go, and then, just, uh, and then leave. Um, which is one major reason why when I played World of Warcraft, I played this massive multiplayer game. <laughs> The first time pointing to the ceiling, I, despite all these years. Okay, um, a mass, I played a massive multiplayer game as a single player game because back in the early aughts, a lot of Warcraft content required you to group up with small or large groups of internet strangers, and internet strangers, especially gamers, are assholes. <laughs> so I pretty much just never did it, despite playing for years. However, WoW did teach me one other thing about myself. It's kind of a weird thing, but I told you that I like public transit. 
<laughs> and actually enjoyed waiting around for the zeppelins or the boats to show up and take you to your destination. Uh, and not only that, trying to catch one as it was about to leave is thrilling, and it prepped me for jumping down ten stairs at a time and trying to catch the blue line. <laughs> and when you catch that train or you catch that zeppelin, you don't feel highly mediocre. You feel brilliant and great. <laughs> Thank you. Hey guys, this is really cool about Becca. Becca just got cast in uh, Spamilton, which is playing... Uh, what, what theater is that at? Royal George Theater. Um, yeah, I'm understudying for now, but there is a like very good chance that I'll be going on in July through September. So... I'll probably post that on my internet. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone get on Becca's internet. It's way better than the regular internet. Uh, my internet is just very aggressive, and, like, mostly only people of color are allowed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I snuck in there. That's rude. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I smoked the blunt before this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this in California or Washington or somewhere, luckily, where it's okay to admit those things. You guys will know this one.
start real cool. All right, now I trust you're all sufficiently warmed up. We've Does got... that song remind only me of Ella Enchanted? Only me? Great, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Becca. Thank you. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.